In order to support our show, we need the help of some great advertisers. And we want to make sure those advertisers are ones you'll actually want to hear about. But we need to learn a little more about you to make that possible. So go to podsurvey.com slash artofman and take a quick anonymous survey that will help us get to know you better. That way, we can bring on advertisers you won't want to skip. Once you've completed the quick survey, you can enter for a chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card. Terms and conditions apply. Again, that's podsurvey.com slash artofman, A-R-T-O-F-M-A-N, podsurvey.com slash artofman. Thanks for your help. Brett McKay here, and welcome to another edition of the Art of Manliness podcast. So back in 2013, I got an email from a French guy named Erwan Lacour. He said he was the founder of something called MoveNat and wanted to write an article for us about how to do things like lift and carry a log efficiently. What MoveNat is, is a fitness program inspired by the same sort of physical training the ancient Greeks and Romans used and revitalized in the 19th century by physical culturists like Georges Herbert with his book, The Natural Method. And the philosophy behind MoveNat is simple. Humans intrinsically know how to physically move their bodies and have an itch to do so in a variety ways, but our sedentary lifestyle and the, even the way we exercise today has caused us to forget how to move efficiently and proficiently. MoveNat can help you solve that and relearn these basic movements. So today on the show, I talked to the founder of MoveNat, Erwan LaCour, and MoveNat performance director, Danny Clark, about what MoveNat is, the sort of things you're going to do in MoveNat, the classical inspiration behind it, and how it can help you to become strong to be useful. After the show is over, check out the show notes at aom.is slash MoveNat, where you can find links to resources where you can delve deeper into this topic. Erwan LaCour and Danny Clark, welcome to the show. Thanks for having us. Good morning, Brett. All right, so Erwan, you are the founder of MoveNat, and Danny, you're the performance director there helping develop curriculum um, for MoveNat. And we've, uh, Erwan, you've actually written a few articles for the, uh, the Art of Manliness about natural movement, the history of physical fitness. So I'm sure a lot of our listeners are familiar with your work and what MoveNat is. But uh, for those who aren't familiar with MoveNat, um, can you give us sort of the history of it? Like, how did you create this system of physical fitness? What's the inspiration behind it? It's a mix. Uh, it's a mix of my personal experience and, and training, and it's uh, also inspired by ancient um, physical culture, physical uh, training systems in Europe. Uh, but namely and, and in especially uh, what's called the natural method. Precisely, it's, it was called a physical, virile, and moral education by the natural method, and this system was founded officially in 1905 by a French Navy officer called Georges Hébert. And um, his idea was that... Uh, people had to be physically and mentally ready for the demands of the, the real world. Um, so the training was based on, on practical, natural movements that, that are necessary to respond physically in the real world. And the motto of this method was to be strong, to be useful. Um, so that's my main influence Though with the MoveNet method, we've made a, a number of substantial improvements to those ancient uh, ancient methods. And that's interesting. I mean, we, we you've written about Georges Hébert uh, on the site before, and he's a really fascinating character um, in the, the the system of cultural or physical culture that he developed. I mean, why did he feel it was necessary to like develop this and promote it? Um, was there some sort of what was going on in the history at, at the time in France and around the world where he said, like, yeah, we need to teach people how to walk, how to run, how to crawl, how to climb? Because not too surprisingly, um, back then, that's uh, more than 100 years ago, uh, people were already uh, dealing with the, some of the same issues that modern populations deal with which is a lack of physical uh, lack of physical training, lack of movement and all the, the consequences on health, um, on fitness that this implies. 
uh, back then, you know, um, it was after the, the industrial revolution. So people already were massively transitioning from um, living in, in on farms in the rural world to living in cities with much less movement with and, and the pollution already and uh, food started to become different. And so altogether, there was already a movement uh, towards somewhat returning back to nature already back then. And returning to nature was also about returning to more natural uh, behaviors, so natural movement. So that's that's what that was one of these um, uh, main preoccupation. But also, he had a very uh, important event in his life where he had to rescue uh, hundreds of people with this with his team with his crew when he was in the navy after the eruption of a volcano. And what he, what he noticed is that a lot of people were unable to help themselves. They could not run, uh, they, they, they were not fit enough, and then his crew was trained by him, and they were able to save a number of people. So that idea of being strong to be useful uh, was really important. So uh, to wrap that up, his mission was to educate people to make sure that populations back then uh, where physically fit and ready for the demands of the real world. And so to that end, what sort of skills was he trying to impart with his uh, natural method? All the movement skills that are necessary when, well, when shit hits, hits the fan, basically. That's, that's when you, uh, that's when difficult circumstances arise that you realize how vital it becomes to be able to run fast or run for distance or to climb something high or to lift and carry something or somebody heavy um, and then jump and balance and do all those movements that are, that are natural but that are for the most part forgotten in, uh, in people's daily life. All right. So uh, you you took that sort of idea that Georgia, I was going to say Jorge, I was about to say do the Spanish, Georges, um, um, did with the natural method and created the MoveNet system and, and adapted it. Um, so we'll, we'll go to Danny on this one. So Danny, what are what are the, the big philosophical and practical principles of MoveNet? What are you trying to do with this system? Um, well, MoveNet is about developing the lost art of physical competence um, through these natural patterns that Erwan's mentioning. Um, you know, in our modern day environments of just cars and stairs and chairs, we've sort of eliminated the need to be physically capable. But the thing is, our bodies need stimulation for ultimately for uh, to thrive. And that's what this is about. Um, we restore natural movements in a, you know, a more progressive, systematic way. Um, but we still can't deny that movements essentially and, fu and fundamentally is our interaction with our environment. So, um, when we think about, um, you know, our culture now, we're, we're taught to specialize so early, um, you know, either through sports or academics, or we're taught to be basically sedentary. Um, so people never really get the chance to develop these broad based, like unspecialized, move unspecialized movement skill sets that, we, from an evolutionary perspective, um, used to develop. It was essential for our survival. So through this practice, um, we try to help, we work on helping people escape this, you know, this vicious cycle of sedentary living that we're seeing in modern day um, by learning skills that also have direct practical application to their, their modern day lives. So, um, you know, it's not just about these big um, survival situations. I think that we, the most important thing is to create a base of, movement skills um, that set us up to be able to do these high-level skills, but also directly um, impact our everyday lives. So building efficiency um, in, in movements so that we can, instead of avoiding and being afraid of movements, um, we can actually become very efficient in movements so that we're actually expending less energy to do the things that we do every day, whether it even just be getting up off the ground, um, running upstairs, um, carrying things, lifting things, playing with our children. If we can expend half the effort or even less doing this, um, 
you know, moving becomes less of a, a intimidating prospect and, um, helps, we can help penetrate people's lives a little bit, um, better. So overall, you know, MoveNet is about developing sort of these timeless classical skills, um, that again, directly relate to survival situations, but also, um, really adding meaning to fitness, um, and exercise for, for anybody, um, not just 20 year olds, but anybody from anybody that's human. Right. And it's not just, and what I love about MoveNet too, it's you focus on these really basic skills. We'll talk about what these basic skills are, but it's also getting people back into the wild and like encountering their environment in a more thoughtful way. Like you want to get out there and see that tree and be like, that's not just a tree. It's like a tree I could climb in a certain way and let's see how efficient I can be at climbing that tree. Sure. And I mean, it's just remembering that, you know, uh, our ability to climb, for example, uh, isn't something that we're just born with. It's something that's, that's learned. We have to have a reason. Um, you know, our body is a system of overlapping systems, um, strength, conditioning, perceptual abilities, all this, this, um, these dozens of systems that occur. And our system has to interact with our outside environment, which is a bigger system. Um, and in that interaction, movement emerges. Um, these patterns like crawling, like climbing um, happen. But in our modern day environment, without the stimulus to the, or any reasons to actually use these patterns, they, they degrade over time. Uh, when we were young, we used to do this stuff all the time. Um, but we, that doesn't necessarily mean we developed it very well. Um, maybe enough to, uh, you know, get, get by in our environment um, at a fundamental level. But now, you know, we, we enter school and um, we're never really given the stimulus to really, to really build our ability to move well. So, um, yeah, I think it's, about, it's certainly about being able to climb a tree, but I think it's also about all the, the whole spectrum of movement that, that we're not really doing right now. Um, that includes lifting, but it's not exclusive to just lifting weights or um, running. It's really everything. Right, right. It's, it's those things we take for granted. Um, so Erwan, uh, in the article you wrote for us a couple years ago about introducing people to, uh, move Nat, you made the argument that, uh, physical fitness kind of got off track. So, you know, uh, the natural method, he, this, this was part of a larger, uh, sort of emergence of physical culture in the West, right? This is when, uh, barbell training started, got its start, kettlebell training, bodybuilding got its start. And, um, you know, Indian clubs, all that stuff. And that's kind of where it's led to this physical, this physical fitness industry that we have today. But you argue that the physical fitness industry got off track at what, at one point, um, how so, and when did that happen? Uh, The physical uh, industry at some point got off track in the sense that it forgot what, the body, the human body is naturally capable of. And actually the fundamental, what I believe is a fundamental and universal reason for physical training, which is again, um, real, uh, real competency, physical competency and preparedness for the real world. That's the foundation to us. And, um, all the rest is great. Um, but it's, um, it's on top of that. It's, it's optional. It's accessory. What is not accessory is your ability to operate your body in useful ways. And when I say useful, um, like Danny said, uh, we are talking about the day-to-day movements. And we are also talking about your ability to respond to more challenging situations to help yourself and to pot- potentially help others. And to at least never be helpless to yourself and others. So that's, that's a, a principle. That's a fundamental principle. Now, so we, when you look at the evolution of physical training in history, and this used to be the, the rule. That's what people were looking for primarily. It's, it's that physical competency and preparedness for the real world. Uh, but then it became a lot about what you look like looking fit, not making sure that you are fit in the sense of, again, being able to respond efficiently and effectively to uh, the demands of the real life, but to just look fit, which is very different. So from 
the primary goal of being physically ready for the real life, um, the whole industry of, of fitness has developed towards looking fit, but not having any preoccupation about making sure that you are fit, that you are physically competent and ready for the real life, which is very different. And it's not just a change in, in goals uh, and in expectations, because the change in, in goals induced a complete change in methodologies used to reach these goals. So when you want to train to be ready for the real life, you realize that you must be able to jump. You must be able to lift and carry and throw and catch. You must be able to run and to climb uh, and even to, to defend yourself. You must be able to, to perform all these fundamental, universal, natural movement skills. But when you train for looking fit, um, the methodologies that are you are going to employ to reach uh, the, the the cosmetic standards that you are looking for uh, a certain way of the the body to look like, then again the methods you're going to employ they they tend towards that goal, and that's when you end up with muscle isolation and a whole lot of of machines uh, designed to shape your movement and shape your body in a certain way. And that's when we indeed have completely, uh, completely lost track with the original intent of movement, which is, and the original intent of the body, which is uh, practical movement. And um, and this is not to say that uh, movement is not interested in the beauty, um, uh, the appeal of an athletic-looking. Uh, body. Um, it's just that this is the outcome of how we move and train. Uh, it's a natural movement is going to sculpt natural bodies um, and, and natural looking bodies that are much more balanced than that when you try to isolate the body in parts as if it was made up of, of parts. The body is not made up of, of parts. The, the body is a whole unit, and it's supposed supposed to function as a unit as as well. So, um, we are trying to bring the industry back towards the fundamental of of movement in the body. Right. And so, any uh, oh, go ahead, Danny. Oh, I was just going to say to add to that. Um, you know, I've been a trainer for a very long time, and I, I think I've seen overall a, a shift. Maybe not in the total mainstream, but um, it's sort of the um, the more, you know, some, some segmented communities in the fitness industry, a shift away from purely aesthetic and a little bit more to functional, you know, than this whole functional fitness sort of craze that came about with kettlebells and CrossFit and all these other tools. So, um, and even just strength training. And I think, I think all that, that's part of the industry has evolved a little bit. Um, although again, I don't think it's fully penetrated, uh, the masses, but, um, I still see a lot of isolation in that. So, okay, we're not isolating our biceps anymore, but we're still just trying to isolate systems now. We're isolating strength. Okay, and now, well, I have strength, but now I don't have mobility. So now I need to isolate mobility. Oh, well, now I need to isolate conditioning. Or now I need to isolate my brain and figure out how to piece that all into the puzzle. So we have this really compartmentalized view of fitness. And this sort of stems from... Um, you know, the, the therapeutic end of it. So trying to restore function, like, so it makes sense for a physical therapist to isolate, um, a particular body part or a system, um, or in an athletic setting, definitely trying to isolate a particular system to play it up. Um, but the, the people that get lost in that are the ones, you know, the average people, the people that are really, really movement deficient. So none of these systems are functioning optimally or really, to any respectable level um, or any level that would represent thriving in this world. So um, trying to compartmentalize and just isolate systems becomes, okay, now I do strength, I do yoga, I do this, and we're trying to just throw it all together. But really there's dozens of systems involved in, uh, the, in the physiology of your body. So what MoveNAT is, is decompartmentalizing um, functional fitness and turning it into something practical, something natural, something where strength, conditioning, mobility, 
all these things are in a nice organic balance. Um, and uh, it becomes much more efficient so that the people who need it the most, especially those that are past their 30s, can really reap the benefits of all these benefits of our entire system improving um, without the need to become a master of really anything. Um, again, that, that specialization layer can be added and there's nothing wrong with it, but MoveNet really represents the base of movement that we all should have. And um, that's, that's really what it's about. So yeah, let's go back to this idea of, of looking fit and being fit. So I'm sure you all in your teaching have encountered um, people from all walks of life and fitness levels. And I'm sure you've encountered people who looked like super ripped, like they were jacked, had chiseled abs, like they just, they looked like they were fit. But any of those people you've encountered, like th when you actually put them, you know, to the test, like they actually didn't have fitness? As, as a martial artist, I could say I see that all the time. Um, I've been a wrestler and a jujitsu um, fighter for a very long time. And that's sort of the classic joke is when the, the uh, bodybuilder or the crossfitter steps into the jujitsu mats and is actually asked to perform a task that's outside their, their training. And that uh, high level of fitness or the look of fitness they've achieved really means absolutely nothing And when, uh, when asked to do something. And I would say uh, Erwan has probably seen lots of this. Um, I witnessed it when I met him and we had an entire group of people uh, some of them looked incredibly fit and we, you know, struggled to do very, very basic tasks. I've seen this over and over. Um, and I remember my very first uh, workshops in the woods of uh, West Virginia in 2009. And uh, uh, I had <coughs> groups made of diverse people. Some didn't do any kind of training. Others were uh, back then already into CrossFit or or other fitness modalities, but everybody had their challenges, everybody, and uh, including those who did look very fit. And uh, that's, um, uh, again, it's a beautiful thing to look, to look great, to look fit, to look athletic, and there's really nothing wrong about it, but you don't want to uh, get lost into self-flattery and also a false sense of physical competency just because you can do a number of pull-ups or you can sprint. Those are, that's great. These are, are aspects of physical competency that are very important. But for instance, just because you can do, say, 20 pull-ups in a row doesn't mean that you know the diverse techniques to climb on top of the bar where you hang from and that's just one example if you apply that to say jumping you can jump up and down a box forever for time for stamina awesome but can you do can you perform that single shot that single jump between those two rocks with be able to cross the distance and land with accuracy and and with balance because that's also part of physical competency. And this is also jumping. And there are many other ways that you can jump that are, that are not just jumping up and down a box and that are absolutely crucial. And um, that idea that you are able to jump anything because you can do those 100 jumps on the box, on the box, or you, you can climb anything because you can do those 20 pull-ups in a row on a, on a bar. This, again, is, can easily give you a false sense of physical competency, but it's only a limited competency that you have. And you need to open your mind and open your, your training to many more uh, aspects of, of competency and the, the necessary adaptability to varied um, environmental or situational demands. So let's talk about the specific skills. We've kind of been talking high level here. What are some of what are the specific skills that you're trying to impart or reteach people with MoveNet? I think that it starts with with the basics. Um, you know, it's it's the, the very simple things that we again don't really our environment doesn't really dictate that we do 
very much anymore. Um, but simple things like being able to sit on the ground and hold a position for, you know, 30 seconds or 10 minutes or whatever without your back cramping and without your neck aching um, or having to switch positions a million times. Uh, being able to get up off the ground very smoothly and easily. Um, being able to crawl. So a lot of the stuff that we start with um, are things that, um, again, you did when you were, you know, it's sort of your original um, physical competence quest when you're a baby. Um, but, you know, just because, again, you did it back then doesn't mean that you can do it now. So much has been degraded over time that that really is the starting point, the foundation. Um, and then again, it starts to move up uh, in, in domains to some more advanced things um, that's like balancing um, and all the way to super high level things like, again, like vaulting and climbing. You know, a lot of people today have issues simply squatting, uh, squatting up uh, and down and also uh, just holding a deep squat, for instance. That's just one example of some of the uh, limitations that most modern people face today. Um, they would have problem hip hinging, um, which is also a fundamental movement patterns. So when people have those two issues to begin with, um, how are they going to be able to jump and land um, properly, efficiently, and safely? There's no way. Uh, it's going to be it's going to be challenging. So working on the fundamental movements. Uh, is is essential to eventually be able to to be ready for the more explosive, more demanding movements, and also the more challenging environments. So, uh, if I'll take the example of jumping, for instance, uh, we're not going to ask you to jump right away uh, between you know like clear an obstacle with a real elevation and. No, you, you, you're going to start learning the technique at ground level on a short distance where it is uh, easy and where you will uh, first learn efficient an efficient pattern, an efficient technique. Then we will increase the intensity. Then we will increase the complexity or of the environment where you jump. So there are progressions that are, that are necessary uh, so that people can learn actually faster than just uh, trying the hard stuff right away, and uh, they also can do it um, in a way that is safe for, for their body. Right, and so it's not just crawling; it's not just jumping. I mean, when I did the um, seminar a few months ago, like we dedicated a section to just how to hold things, like heavy things, efficiently, which is something you you don't you take for granted. But like, if you think about, it's amazing that if you actually take some time to think about it, how you can position your body or your hands or your arms in a way where you can take this heavy, odd object and make it actually comfortable to carry. Um, and it was amazing how, how much of a change that can happen, have in your life. That's the, that's the beauty of technique and movement efficiency. Uh, you know, in the fitness industry, or at least the, what I like to call the old school fitness industry, bodybuilding type and, and, and so on, uh, they make simple, movement look complex and difficult like a biceps curls for instance like it looks like it, you need a whole whole technique in a certain way to to do it which is in part true but come on that's a bicep curl right um but we make movement that are actually complex complex movement we make them look easy because of practicing efficiency which means to be really agile and and light and, and accurate and smooth. Um, but the truth is that those movements to look like this and feel like that, um, it, it requires practice. And that's the difference between what I call primary nature, the primary nature of movement, which is that natural movement is innate in all of us. And that's for sure. We all have a, a certain ability to perform these movements that does not need to be taught. However, efficiency in these natural movements, that what needs to be taught and learned and trained uh, consistently because this is not for granted. And this is what surprises people when they're asked to do the simplest movements, a, a simple get up, you get up and get down from ground to standing, standing to ground, 
And then they realize that they are off balance. They realize that they need their hands. They realize that they are stiff all over. They realize that they are holding their breath. They realize that those movements they took for granted, actually, they haven't practiced them in years. And they're not that good at it. And those movements, nonetheless, are um, essential to life. They are your basic function. Actually, uh, there's a study that was uh, done in Brazil where um, the ability to get down and get up from the ground without using your, uh, your knees and without using your hands especially was a predictor of life expectancy. Uh, so if you were able uh, to get up and get down without using your hands, uh, you had a longer life expectancy that people who had to use their hands and had trouble basically doing the movement. And in fact, it makes sense because from a biological standpoint, why on earth would, would you want to have a, a long life expectancy if your body is dysfunctional? And the same is true with grip strength. Uh, if you don't have the people who have greater grip strength, the people who are in the hospital, will get out of the hospital faster than the people who have weaker grip strength. Why on earth would you have greater health and, uh, and life expectancy if you don't have basic strength in your hands? Right. So that's, that, it, it, it's, it's all, you know, mobility, balance, coordination, strength, all of that is necessary for a body to be healthy, to be truly functional, and uh, and to live long, and to live with a high quality. So through those natural movements, you restore that potential, and then you maintain it for as long as you can. Wedding season is coming up, and if you are preparing for the big day, I know wedding planning can be really intimidating, but finding the perfect suit shouldn't be. Indochino makes it easy to get a fully customizable suit right from your home. Don't just wear any suit on your big day. Wear a custom made-to-measure suit. Suits start at just $499, which is about the same price you'd pay for an off-the-rack suit at a department store. And they've also got custom made-to-measure shirts starting at just $89. So I've talked about my Indochino suit on the podcast before. They've been a longtime podcast sponsor. It's navy blue. The measuring process was super easy. They got these video guides you follow. You'll need another set of hands to help you out with that. But the really fun part is customizing it. Got to customize how I wanted the lapels on the jacket, the pockets, the lining. I went no pleats on the pants on this suit. A lot of fun. And then in a few weeks, you have a made-to-measure custom suit sent directly to your door. When planning your wedding, get a suit as unique as you with Indochino. Go to Indochino.com and use code MANLINESS to get 10% off any purchase of $399 or more. That's I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O.com, promo code MANLINESS. All right, if you have a family, then you need to get term life insurance to protect them. It's one of the smartest financial decisions you can make, and the start of the new year is the perfect time to get it done so you can focus on whatever else the year has in store for you. Fabric by Gerber Life was designed by parents for parents to help you get a high-quality, surprisingly affordable term life insurance policy in less than 10 minutes. Fabric has flexible policies that fit your family and your budget with quality policies like a million dollars in coverage for less than a dollar a day. There's no risk to apply. They have a 30-day money-back guarantee, and you can cancel at any time. I remember when I was a new dad, I had a lot of thoughts going through my head. One of them was, how can I take care of my family? When I'm gone, if something happens to me. Well, it's one of the first things I did. I got term life insurance, one of the best decisions I made. Join the thousands of parents who trust Fabric to protect their family. Apply today in just minutes at meetfabric.com slash manliness. That's meetfabric.com slash manliness. M-E-E-T fabric.com slash manliness. Policies issued by Western Southern Life Assurance Company, not available in certain states. Prices subject to underwriting and health questions. Daylight saving time is starting up again. The goal of this is to give us more daylight from March through November. By setting our clocks forward, it may feel like there are more hours in the day, but if you're hiring, it doesn't necessarily help you find qualified candidates for your roles any sooner. There is only one way to do that. ZipRecruiter. And right now, you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com manliness. ZipRecruiter works around the clock to help you find qualified candidates. Once you post your job on ZipRecruiter, they send it to 100 plus job sites so you can reach more of the right people. 
ZipRecruiter smart technology also quickly scans thousands of resumes to identify people whose skills and experience match your job. Spring forward with a new hiring partner, ZipRecruiter, and find top talent sooner. See why four out of five employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash manliness. Once again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash manliness. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Picture that thing you've always wanted to learn. All right, you got that in your head? Now picture learning it from the person who's literally the best at it in the world. That's what you get with Masterclass. This year, learn from the best to become your best with Masterclass. Masterclass offers over 180 world-class instructors, and many of these instructors are former AOM podcast guests. You can learn negotiation from Chris Voss, leadership skills from Jocko Willink, how to master your habits with James Clear. Plus, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so there's no risk. So recently, I went through the Masterclass on negotiation with Chris Voss. A lot of useful information in there. Talked about the value of knowing a negotiation, how to use your body language and speech patterns to get your best out of a negotiation. Very well done. I really enjoyed it and got a lot out of it. Right now, listeners of our podcast can get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash AOM. Get 15% off right now at masterclass.com slash AOM masterclass.com slash AOM. Check out the masterclass on negotiation with Chris Voss. Right. Going on that study about uh, mortality rates and being able to get off the ground. I read another study or an article talking about um, one reason why people in Japan might live longer um, than people say in America is that in Japan, the bed is usually on the floor, right? In the retirement homes, like these old people in retirement homes are constantly having to get up off the floor and they can do it because they, they do it all the time and they have that strength, that coordination to do it. But here in America, it's like, not like you might be in a bed that sort of lifts you up, you know, lifts yourself out of the bed. So you don't have to use any of those muscles. And so the mortality rate increases because we've lost that ability to get off the ground. Exactly. So it means that your environment dictates your movement behavior. So you have two choices here, and actually they are complementary. One is that you can change your environment, so you can go for uh, less furniture or different furniture, so that at least your your day to day movements are changed. They are they require more range of motion. They require more attention and effort on your part. That's one way. Um, but the other way is to simply realize this. Okay, um, there's nothing in my, in my life that demands that I run and sprint, that demand that I balance and jump, that demand that I crawl low on the ground. Zero, none. I don't need it for food, to get my food. I don't need it because there's no uh, actual danger in my life or, or necessity like that. It, I don't make a living because... Uh, I have to move in all these these ways. However, I can devise a strategy uh, so that I make those movements um, possible again. And that's the idea: is that you want to have a vision of yourself, of a person who has, who possesses these skills, that strength, those physical qualities, and you need to to practice. And even when the necessity to perform these movements and these efforts is not there, you are going to create, uh, even if it's just in your mind, the conditions so that you can have your body behave in the way it's supposed to behave. And that's natural movement. And that's movement. Yeah. I think this is super powerful. um, You know, again, I work with um, an older population often and Adding meaning to movements um, that directly carry over to their life, such as getting up off the ground, crawling, um, you know, practicing these movements is, is life changing um, for them, you know, uh, and it's it can be and it's it's a base for anybody. So actually, know. we have a uh, one of our uh, team instructors, uh, Cameron. Um, he's based in Houston, and he he's been working with a, a group of uh, war veterans. Uh, who are disabled, who lost a limp, um, who serve the country, but uh, then they come back and their day-to-day life is completely changed because they, their body is, has changed. And um, uh, f- using the, the MoveNet 
methods and principles and techniques. He's been able to teach these these guys to be able to, for instance, get back to uh, get down to the ground and back up on their own without uh, assistance. And that was again another life changing uh, experience or event in their lives. Uh, because that's autonomy, and that's um, that's a beautiful thing to see. So um, it doesn't matter uh, what are the conditions in your life that uh, led you to uh, to be either you know overweight or or dysfunctional. Um, I mean, life is not easy, and it can really be harsh. But what I want to express here is that there are methods out there uh, that exist that are going to uh, re-empower you, to support your self-empowerment through movement, through movement that is useful, does not aim at making you look good in the mirror, but that that is designed to make you perform again and be empowered through sometimes performing again the simplest movements. Yeah, the uh, getting up off the floor without using your hands or knees, that's not a joke. Like, that is hard. Dan, you probably remember, like, it took me a while to get that, and it hurt. Like, it was like, because I hadn't done that in years. Um, but once I was able to do it, it, it's actually pretty cool. It's like, hey, I don't I don't need a, a chair. I don't need a bed to get off the ground. I can just use my own two feet and make that, make that get up. I mean, it's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. And that's that's how... It should be because when you can get up and off the ground more easily, you're more likely to get on the ground. And, you know, again, uh, for some people, being able to get on the ground, feel comfortable there is going to have them interact with their kids, their grandkids more often. Um, And then for the young bucks who aren't really that motivated by these like sort of simple or um, what they would consider probably like old people stuff or whatever. Uh, you know, there's this whole other layer and this is what is incredible about MoveNet of these high level skills that are about being helpful and useful, um, for survival situations. And that's sort of what resonated with me was, okay, I can use this professionally. Um, and then I can, I can benefit from this practice personally. There's this compelling, um, meaning to, to my fitness. It's not just about, uh, vanity it's not just about a cert- quantifying my fitness and hitting a certain number. It now is about something a little bit bigger than me. Um, and, and, and for me, that, that gives me a lot of personal, personal satisfaction. Um, it's very intuitive. And it's, uh, it's, it's a pretty cool thing. It's an incredible movement. Right. Yeah, what I love about uh, it, oh, go, oh, go ahead, Armand. Did you have something you were saying? Oh, Brett, uh, sorry to interrupt. but uh, uh, So I love what Danny said. And, and actually, uh, I wanted to express something that uh, the, you know, the people, whoever is, in, is into the art of manliness is, I believe, going to really relate with is that idea that, um, <clears throat> so there's no rite of passage uh, in our modern societies anymore, um, or practically none. And um, that idea that you can embrace physical training, not just to look good, which will happen, by the way, but not for that reason, not even just for yourself, but for yourself and others. It's your, you, turn it, you turn your physical training in, into a constant rite of passage where with every progress you make, your ability to, to help others, uh, if needed, to serve others in that, in that way uh, is, um, is greater. Uh, with your personal physical accomplishments and progress, you become more potentially more helpful to yourself, but also your neighborhood, your community, or even perfect strangers. Um, and that is a very important psychological asset, not only to grow that self-confidence when you walk the streets and you know that you can do pretty much anything um, if anything happens, but you know that you won't be helpless to yourself or others because you have learned to be helpful, helpful or useful to yourself and others through your physical practice. And this is relating back to that idea of uh, moral, uh, uh, moral education that was so uh, dear to George Hebert. Uh, he, he talked about this physical, virile and moral education by the natural method. 
it's that idea that it's not just physical. It's also about mental fortitude uh, whenever, whenever it's needed. And ultimately, it's about the intention that guides you, which is, which is the difference between right and wrong, that idea that um, you can do something good in your life and that you can be useful to others. Um, it's a moral component that, is, that never goes old, never gets old. It's, it's timeless. It's universal. And, um, and the MoveNet training um, also embraces that approach, that philosophy. It's not just physical. And even though uh, the physical part is uh, obviously the foundation and the main focus, ultimately, we want to, to equip people with the, the physical skills, the physical qualities, but also the, the mental and moral qualities and values that make them better people in this world. I mean, that's one thing I loved about MoveNet at the seminar. When we were learning these skills, like, for example, when we were learning how to throw, right? You learn how to throw in MoveNet um, with heavy medicine balls. But, like, you're always trying to bring it back to, like, okay, when would you use this? Well, you might use this when you're throwing sandbags in a, a chain to stop a, a flood. Or you're carrying heavy, odd-shaped objects. And you're like, well, this is something you probably do if you're helping, you know, your old neighbor um, move mulch bags in her yard um, to clean things up. It's always bringing it back to how is how can this be useful to others? And it's not just a sort of a self-gratifying aesthetic thing. It's all about be fit to be useful. Right. It's true. Some movements, uh, some movement skills, some techniques, they are, it's not about intensity. It's not about strength. It's not about explosiveness. It can be just as simple as the accuracy you need in uh eye-hand coordination to throw and catch a, a shovel, a, an axe, uh, a piece of equipment that's, uh, uh, or, or tool that's going to be uh, important in a given situation. And I think oh, it's an incredible concept too, because, you know, for me, I've been, I started wrestling competitively when I was four years old and um, to be able to find a philosophy and, a, and, a, and an entire movement skill system that has a biological basis, but also is not about competition inherently against others, um, is, is really interesting to me. Um, and it has implications for my own life and that I can, I can truly make my practice not about this alpha, I'm going to go beat someone thing. It's truly for me and it's truly for others. Um, with a young son of two years old, you know, I, I think that that's pretty powerful. Um, and I think that a little, there's nothing wrong with competition, but if that, if that sort of philosophy can rub off, um, I think it could help balance out our competitive nature a little bit. I think there, there'd be some positive implications for, for society and for individuals who are bogged down by everything being about competition. Uh, you can certainly use this to be an ex ex extremely powerful competitor as, uh, you know, MMA fighter Carlos Conda did and many others, um, or even myself have, but, uh, to be able to do something that's not always about competition is is um, is is powerful, right? And I think it's an important point to make is that MoveNet isn't supposed MoveNet doesn't have to replace your current uh, fitness modality. If you have a, an area of focus like strength training or running or Brazilian jiu-jitsu or whatever, um, MoveNet can be a supplement to that. So I mean, talk about it. How can you know working on your crawling? or working on your climbing make you a better, say, power lifter, for example? Um, I think in, in many ways. Um, first of all, uh, any, any specialized sport or practice um, has trade-offs associated with it. So, um, you know, in, in a way, you're uh, extending the longevity of your practice, um, of your particular sport. So, you know, someone like a power lifter, uh, like I, I was into that for a little bit. Um, you know, there's, there's going to be certain injuries that come about with overuse. Um, and by, by practicing, um, natural movements or a broader spectrum of movements, um, you can negate some of those effects. I think that's what cross training essentially is all about. Um, but instead of doing something else, that's also more strength to try and negate that or very extreme that needs a lot of recovery. You're doing something that, um, could be restorative, like crawling. Um, I think that crawling and climbing both build a tremendous amount of structural integrity 
that um, lifting can, but not always does, uh, can do. So again, relating it back to myself, um, I don't really max deadlift very much anymore. Um, I just, I focus on adding more complexity to my deadlifting. Um, but so, but I went and deadlifted the other day for the first time and was pulling over 400 for multiple reps. Um, and it wasn't because I was on a power lifting cycle. It was because the quality of my joints, my overall, uh, function of my body, um, how it's tied together has improved through doing these other patterns. Um, so I, I think that it can benefit, you know, you in a, a lot of different ways. I think too, from, um, for sports that require a ton of perceptual abilities, uh, like mixed martial arts or any, any combat sports, um, even any sort of like ball sports, um, or some, a sport that requires a lot of jumping or skiing, working on your general ability to, uh, to be able to perceive your environment, um, I think carries over to your specific um, tasks. So I think a great example was Erwan's work with Carlos Condit, where um, you know he Carlos has a very specific strategy to be able to um, beat high-level opponents. Um, but by working on his specific footwork um, and his his perceptual abilities and jumping, um, he was able to make some changes to his strategy to just put himself in better positions. Um, so putting your, any, generally, anytime you put yourself outside of the same patterns you do all the time, there's a lot of, of opportunity for growth. Yeah, I can, I can attest to the fact that MoveNat can help your strength training. Um, you know, I, I primarily do barbell training, but you know, one issue I've had, uh, just from, I think it's just from sitting down all the time. That's what I do most of the time is I got really tight in places like my chest or my hip abductors. Um, and doing some of the movement progressions in MoveNet has helped open those things up so that I can get a little bit lower or I can get the bar in position on the low bar squat easier. Before I, I mean, I was so tight in my chest, I couldn't even do it at the beginning. But doing some of the opening movements with MoveNet has completely increased that flexibility so I can get in that position comfortably. And there's, there's a lot of benefits from adding, you know, uh, heavy loads. And, you know, we view in MoveNet that lifting isn't something separate from natural movement. Lifting is just a part of natural movements. Um, so when you're lifting, you're still practicing natural movements. Um, but uh, there's a lot of, you know, be, because of the, the movement deficit that happens when we stop playing, when we stop um, growing in our environment as, as, as youngsters, um, we start sitting a lot in school. A lot of the, the function of our torso, whether it be your pelvic floor, all these, uh, whether it be your posture, um, just your general positioning, they, they can degrade. And just lifting heavy isn't necessarily going to activate your full potential. So by more movement variety, more stimulation of your body and a lot of different planes of motion that lifting sort of ignores or doesn't get a chance to um, stimulate, you absolutely can improve your, your lifting. Um, I think the more your general movement ability increases, the more any specific movement ability is going to increase as well. There's also uh, 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 that, uh, that culture of uh, muscular tightness, muscular hardness, um, uh, especially in the, the, the strength circles. Um, even that idea of irradiation where you want every muscle possible in your body to contribute um, and to, to create some tension. But the problem is that, uh, movement efficiency doesn't work that way. And, uh, you need that, that selectivity in tension, selective tension. And that also means the art of, of relaxation in movement. And we know that the, uh, the elite athletes are amazing at relaxation actually. And when we talk about relaxation, I'm not talking about uh, relaxing by the pool and drinking cocktails all day or stretching all day. I'm talking about relaxation in movement. Um, and so we, we don't have that culture of, of muscular tightness. Actually, it's the opposite. We, we want the body to be uh, more relaxed. Um, we want the muscles to be more relaxed because when they are more relaxed, then it means that your patterns are more fluid and, uh, and accurate, but it also means that you can produce force better. And so it's not a surprise that the people 
who are, say, into uh, strength, but also who have that mentality of constant, you know, maximum tension and tightness are going to actually see uh, strength, um, I mean, uh, gains in strength by simply learning to relax. Yeah, and and to relax. That's, that's hard to do, um, to learn how to relax muscles. And to breathe. And to breathe, right. It's one of those things you take for granted. So let's talk about this. So people are, we talked about move now. There's some basic skills. There's crawling, there's balancing, there's throwing, there's hanging from a bar. Um, in move now, there's this thing called progressions, um, where you kind of progress from one movement to, to another, you know, for those who are listening to the podcast, like, I want to give this a try. What would like a typical movement progression look like for a, a beginner who's just starting? Um, so if we look at like one movement domain or aptitude, such as balancing, it would be as simple as starting on a two by four at ground level. So being able to walk forward and backwards, or maybe even turn yourself around on, um, a, a fairly wide object that's still for most people will still be a challenge to be able to spend a couple minutes on there, um, and be able to, you know, learn how to effectively counterbalance um, to be able to be able to relax and breathe and not be overly tense um, or flailing their arms all over the place. So that would be like the starting point. And then to progress from there, we can change either volume, intensity, or complexity. And for those that are in the strength industry, volume and intensity are very familiar. So volume would be just doing more of that same exact thing. Um, intensity would be we could add a load um, to that. Um, while you're doing it. So we can add a carry now. So you're holding something while doing that, uh, that balancing sequence. Um, or we can add complexity. And that's sort of the forgotten training variable in, in, in classical training, which is we can change the object itself. Uh, we can make it a more narrow surface, like a rail. We can elevate that surface. Um, and you'll find that as that, in, as that complexity increases, you have to sort of relearn the pattern. Uh, standing on a two by four is much different than standing on a rail and standing at ground level is much different than standing eight feet above the ground. Um, so it's not always about new shiny movements, you know, flashy stuff. It's just about adding that complexity as well as the volume and intensity to progress, um, in a very systematic and safe way. Um, if you just, if we just had somebody, um, start by balancing at height, could you imagine the the second they stop breathing, they're going to fall, um, and they're probably not going to be breathing because of how afraid they are. So, in MoveNet, we make these skills very, very attainable, but we use incremental steps so that uh, you know anyone from a from a, a youngster to a um, senior can can move through these progressions to the level that they feel comfortable with and what they what they want to achieve. Yeah, I love that. The uh, two by four is a great, I mean, I just, if you, if any of you are interested in MoveNet, like that's, the, it costs a few bucks. I have one in my living room and every time I walk by it, I'll occasionally balance across it or I'll stand on it for a while and try to crouch down. Um, and just, I've, I've been able to incorporate that into my, just my daily routine. It's not that hard to do. I don't have to set aside time for MoveNet. It just becomes a part of my day. It sounds so simple. Um, and you can't tell someone it's one of those things you have to try it to really understand how profound it is, how interesting it is, how engaging it is, um, to be able to do this type of stuff. Uh, if you're just used to the classical, just lifting and calorie burning type of fitness, um, it might sound boring. Um, I certainly didn't try it until I just kind of forced myself into a retreat with Erwan. And from there, I'll just, it opened up my entire world of new possibilities of, uh, viewing movement as a skill um, and feeling the benefits of that skill improvement. It's to me just as rewarding as a max deadlift, if not more. I'd say it's more in line with being able to uh, win a win against a, a high-level uh, jiu-jitsu competitor, that sort of gratification as you feel your skill level increase. Right. Your trust and, and belief come through practice. Um, I know that Danny could uh, talk about the science between all these movements um in a very precise way and uh, but but the truth is that ultimately it really boils down to practice and and then observe and feel because it's, it's going to happen it's going to take place in your body more than it, in, it takes place in your mind 
you'll have an experience of of what it is and what it brings to your body to what it can do um and it's um it's to whoever has practiced movement they are they are really often shocked by how much difference it makes um and including in their specialty training in their what is whatever is their forte uh, that they are into lifting into running into uh, grappling into whatever because they get to be exposed uh physically to all those different patterns and and, and physiological uh, and physical adaptations that they are not exposed to when they only practice their specialized sports. So let's talk about this. We've, we've been very basic and I'm sure there's people who are listening to this like, Oh, okay. Crawling. Okay. Balancing on a, a two by four. It sounds like kids stuff or old people stuff, but to give us an idea of how, you know, where move can go um, as far as complexity and, and the, uh, the, yeah, just the complexity of it and the, the skill required to do it. Can you talk about some of the feats of strength and agility that an instructor needs to accomplish in order to become, I guess, the highest is level three certification in the MoveNet system right now? I mean, what are some of the, the stuff they have to do in order to get that certification? Because I think it's it's pretty insane with some of the stuff they have to do. Yeah, sure. Um, it's 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 an extension of the basics, but it requires again more volume, intensity, and complexity with a higher emphasis on adaptability um, through complexity, through moving through complex environments. So um, instead of, again, just testing, uh, well, first of all, we test the full spectrum. So we're not, we don't expect just competency and just being able to jump or just be able to balance. You have to be able to lift as well. Um, For example, in the last level three we did, um, we were outside um, for the final test. We did an entire outdoor portion and um we had people uh all of our candidates pick somebody up over their shoulders in like a fireman's carry position so uh the person's you know like you're carrying them like a fireman would most people are familiar with that it's a skill we do go over um in level two and then you're walking across a muddy stream and then we were doing uh like a a squat to where they had to squat down to hips below their knees uh, five times with the person on their back. So it's not just testing the strength. Of course, there's a huge strength component to that. You're, you're squatting your own body weights, but you're also testing their ability to, uh, successfully actually pick someone up and and do something to be able to carry someone, to be able to deal with the, the, the slippery surface. And this isn't something that we expect somebody. This is why we have prerequisites. Well, someone has to have earn their level two already to do this. So if I just had someone off the street do that, uh, expecting to earn a level three certification, they would probably drop the person. But these people have earned that, uh, that, that ability to do that. And if they haven't, then they don't do it and they have to come back and earn that adaptability. That's just one example. Um, you know, uh, we have precision landings, which involve stepping up onto a rail at elevation jumping to another narrow surface six or seven feet away and being able to what we call stick your landing, um, meaning your feet make contact uh, and you don't just fall off. You're able to actually gain control over your landing, stand up and step off. Uh, And these are just examples. Um, We require, again, in level three, instead of just a basic uh, pull-up, even in level two, we require the ability to get over an object, like over a bar, instead of just being able to do a pull-up through various techniques that uh, we have in the MoveNet system. Um, but in, you know, in level three, we require even more power. So it's not just your, um, your technique, it's your technique and your ability to generate power to be able to do a power-up, um, which is like a muscle-up, and get on top of a bar and then balance for a distance over a complex surface. So it's really kind of the apex of um, bringing in the volume intensity and complexity to the patterns we learn. But I tell uh, the student, you know, the students that this is like earning your black belt in, you know, in natural movements, but just like in jujitsu, a black belt doesn't really mean that you're very good yet. It just means you've achieved a baseline level of mastery of the movements, of the, con- the ability to, um, perform the movements with control, with a, a level of technique, it's still just the starting point. It's just the entry point into what it can become. 
and that's why I like to think about uh, MoveNet as really the martial arts of movement. It's, it's an ongoing evolution that really never stops. All right. So there's a lot of room for growth. So it's not just crawling, you know, army crawl. Like there's a possibility where you can get really advanced. So you're never going to stop learning. You're never going to stop progressing in MoveNet. Um, and so, the point isn't to make these positions hard. It's to make it so that they're effortless. That's the long-term goal. Uh, you know, for me as a power, someone who is into powerlifting and even martial arts, I used to be afraid to, I would hate to admit it, but to go on like long hikes because I would fatigue out fast or to go jumping on rocks all the time. As much as I enjoyed that type of stuff, I just didn't really have the efficiency. So it was sort of something I wouldn't do. Uh, and moving that, we developed such a high level of efficiency that, you know, these type of things aren't taxing. They're actually easy. And that's what we're looking for. You're not passed just by doing them. They have to look absolutely effortless. Well, guys, this has been a, a great conversation. Where can people, like if they wanted to start MoveNet, right? Where can they go? Is it the best way to go to a seminar? Or if there's not a seminar nearby, are there videos online or courses they can take online to start with MoveNet? I think the most important thing, um, if possible, is to attend either a workshop or a certification. We're trying, we're working on making that more available to more diverse regions. Um, so keep an eye out on that. If you go to the website and you don't see one in your area, Stay tuned because we're going to have them all over the place very soon. Uh, nothing really substitutes that coaching experience, you know, to be able to have someone look at your movement level and uh, progress and be able to figure out what can help you improve. Uh, so mentors and coaches are so important with this type of stuff. That said, uh, as an introduction to natural movement, if you sort of want to get started, um, Erwan has a book coming out uh, very shortly. Um, that is about the practice of natural movement. And um, we have videos on, um, on YouTube, and um, I have an entire instructional series called From the Ground Up on our website that can, uh, that's in our journal section that you can start to see some of these movements. Uh, there's some instruction in it, um, so you can start to play around with it. Uh, so there's, there's a variety of resources. It's Really easy to get involved, but I really think nothing substitutes attending a workshop or a certification. We're Juan LaCour, Danny Clark. Thanks so much for your time. It's been a pleasure. Thanks so much, Brett. Thank you, Brett. It's been a pleasure too. My guests today were Erwan LaCour. He's the founder of MoveNet, as well as Danny Clark, the performance director at MoveNet. You can find, you can find more information about MoveNet and how to get started at MoveNet.com. And also check out the show notes at aom.is slash MoveNet, where you can find links to resources where you can delve deeper into this topic. Well, that wraps up another edition of the Art of Manliness podcast. For more manly tips and advice, check out the Art of Manliness website at artofmanliness.com. Our show is edited by Creative Audio Lab here in Tulsa, Oklahoma. If you have any audio editing needs or music production needs, check them out at creativeaudiolab.com. As always, I appreciate your continued support. And until next time, this is Brett McKay telling you to stay manly. Manly.